You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So, if it's I might say Shabbos, this must be Rizcha Darais. Unfortunately, those of you that were waiting for an episode on Arab Shabbos, because of everything that's been going on, uh, my co-host and very good friend, Rabbi Yisabir Bachamper, was not able to join me. So we decided to have a special Maitzay Shabbos version of Rizcha Daraisa. And those of you might remember last week, we were talking about how it could be that uh, yeshivos and, 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 and mostos are still calling for people to be open and, uh, and to have asifas. Well, obviously that has changed, and now everything, I think, is closed down. I don't think there's anything that's open uh, in New York, New Jersey especially. Uh, severe, severe limitations of even being going outside. Um, this is the, the, fortunately, the very strong grip of the coronavirus and all its manifestations that are coming to the fore. Uh, it's not a time for levity, but on the other hand, I thought, and I thought it was a career, that I thought maybe we should, could provide in our risk of the some sort of, if not levity, but at least some sort of manucha in a way from being worried about what was going on and perhaps talk about something that's incidentally related, but still important for people to hear about in a passionate way. So what's the Resichos tonight on Mitzvah Shabbos? Um, we're talking about mikvah in a time of uh, coronavirus. Okay. And we have a fellow uh, who's uh, uh, ostensibly a Muslim, a fellow named Chaim Ovadia, who used to be a rabbi in Rockville, Maryland, who came out and said the following. So if you're coronavirus, the brief halacha guide, mikveh, use a home mikveh. In other words, a bathtub, jacuzzi, inflatable pool, etc. Water should cover the whole body. Wear a bathing suit and a hairnet if necessary. Kalim, same as mikveh. You can also declare that you are giving them as a gift to a specific non-Jewish friend. So we have a person who, who considers himself to be an um, Orthodox rabbi who permitted using an inflatable pool as a mikvah. Um, the uh, bathtub is less problematic than inflatable pool, but basically uh, the same issue. Jacuzzi is less pro- problematic, but basically the same issue, and I'll explain. Uh, and, uh, we're not allowed to use maim shuvim. We're not allowed to use any d- drawn water uh, to make a mikvah, at least to make the first 20 of the mikvah. Right. Uh, it's all in today's daf yomi for anybody, or yesterday's daf yomi. Anybody was involved in that, of course. That's okay. one of the basis of uh, our boyim saw that makes it. An inflatable pool is clearly uh, maim shuvim by definition. It's sitting in an inflatable pool, uh, which means that it's not connected to the ground. It somehow got there and it's sitting in a bucket. So sitting in a bucket is a problem. Besides that, forty saw of rainwater, according to everybody except Rabbi Miller, who Rabbi will explain about in a few moments. There's 120 gallons uh, of water. And David Miller held 85 gallons, but it's a cooler which most people have not accepted. Um, the jacuzzi and bathtub have the same problem, unless you are certainly clear that the water came from uh, a source uh, from the source without any filtration, which makes the children without any pumping whatsoever along the way from the reservoir. No, it's purely in the form of gravity, by no other um, method. Also, so, in other words, the, the, the habamina to allow it, Rabbi, I'm sorry for interrupting there, the habamina to allow this would be to say that it might be considered rainwater originally, and even though it got to your bathtub through pipes, 
but originally we might say that a, a reservoir was filled with some rainwater, and there were arboyums of rainwater, and this is part of that. That was, well, I yes. think, okay. part of the hetter is built on, I guess, the idea. I'm not, I don't agree with hetter at all, but it, it, the logic of it is, is that originally there was 40 sovereign waters in this reservoir, even though it mixed, and, and now it's been transported to you, it, it's still kosher the same way we, we kosher all our mikvos through some right. sort of bar next to another bar. Right. Correct? Something like that. Right. So that, that will not work unless you have, uh, it still won't work unless there's 40 of water, regardless, in your bathtub. And uh, if the only way to use get a 40 so the user bathtub without it being 40 so of water is if there is a direct un, unbroken connection all the way back to the reservoir at the time that you're traveling um, or to anybody to somebody 40 saw that doesn't work via catapris so therefore if you are um, if your um, faucet is open that is not considered to be a link back to the source it has to be a direct pipe Avram, you can explain that further if you'd like well, uh, again, you know, since this is a topic that uh, you just decided you want to talk about now, it's hard to, to darshan in a great way. But I could tell you is what you said earlier, that there have been attempts to make going to the mikveh easier. Uh, you mentioned Rodovan Miller, and people, many people like to say about him, because he was a tremendous L'shem Shamayim person who was trying to spread the idea of going to the mikveh and in America, in the beginning of the 20th century, where it was very difficult to find a kosher mikvah at all, and people were against the whole idea of going to the mikvah. Oh, you say something about him, about him being a slabot katamid. Right, right. Yes, he was a, a person who had learned in yeshivas in Europe, and he came to this country, and he went through the sugyas and uh, uh, created, he wrote a, a book in English. I'm not sure if he translated it himself, or he was uh, well-versed in English himself, was called the secret of the Jew, Netzach Yisrael, and he gave it away for a cent. He gave it away for a penny. He wanted everybody to have it. He sent it everywhere, and he hoped that in places. I think he was a rabbi in Oakland for a while. I think he was a rabbi in, in the Oakland or the San Francisco area. And over there, you know, we've talked about. If you listen to some of our podcasts, we speak about the the dearth of Jewish life in in, in San Francisco. How incredibly weak it was. And because of in places like Oakland and other places throughout the country, he actually created a um, a, uh, a recipe or a uh, actually a blueprint for building your own mikvah in many of these little shoals or even a person's home. A person that had it up, and he talks about how you can build the tank and, like you say, the amount of water that's needed. Uh, I don't have the book in front of me. I went to look for it. It's somewhere behind me in this. Uh, oh, I'm sure it's in Hebrew books or Google. Google. Yes, you can, it definitely is in Hebrew books, and you can find it. They're the Secret of the Jew, David Miller. Uh, and he was trying to help people out to have an easier way to have a mikvah. Now, as I think you know, Rabbi Yosef, uh, most people hold that his mikvah isn't really kosher with Abkhila, the mikvah, the way he had it built. Um, I did tell you a couple minutes ago before we started recording that I, uh, at one time, decided to take a trip from New York to Memphis, which is where my parents, Holoshelm, lived. And uh, it got boring going the normal way uh, down Route 81 to 40. I decided, you know, let's take a little bit of a different route. And this route took me to Charleston, West Virginia. And in Charleston, West Virginia, we decided to stay overnight. And I, uh, with my curiosity, I decided to look into uh, the shoals and what was going on. And I decided to call the rabbi. The rabbi was very happy an Orthodox Jew was staying somewhere in town. And he asked me to come to the synagogue to meet him. 
And he was very proudly showed me his mikvah, which was built based on Rabbi Miller's uh, specifications. And he said people actually do use it. So there are uh, there is precedent to coming up with kulas. And I, and, I, and I read some of the Facebook comments on this Chaim Avadi post that you sent me that perhaps we should think in a kula way because uh, clearly, again, this is really the, I guess where we can argue and discuss this. Now that the coronavirus outbreak is clear and so powerful, especially in New York, New Jersey, should we be telling women, you know what, there's things more, we ho- we're holding off on Tvila Bismana and we just need to wait because, right? And, if, and, and Or should we try to be coming up with agents for women who have a pachat of going into a public place where Mick or other women have been and giving them some kulas? I think that would be the question. I think Chaim Ovadia, I don't know him. I never heard of him until now. I'd assume he's trying to come up with a, he knows it's a bidiyevit, but he figures we need an etza so women will continue to go to the mikvah because who knows how long we're going to be in this quarantine type of situation. Correct? Okay, so you take it from there. What do you think, what do you think well, the etza should be? Well, you know, if you want to give an etza, then you tell a person to go to a lake or a, the ocean, the ocean. You don't tell them to go with a hairnet and a bathing suit on because that's not the way uh, we the women go to the mikvah. And you certainly don't give questionable hetarians. At uh, the time of the war, we know that there were uh, people who went for years without being able to go to the mikvah. People went for the, uh, people in Siberia, people who were uh, in communist Russia. They say, I don't know if the story is true because I told over something he said it's not true. That the reason why there are eight years between Rev. David and Rev. Ruben Feinstein is because for that amount of time, the rabbits who cannot go to mikvah because they're in communist Russia. So, people are Moisa Nefesh. So, that we're talking here, we don't know how long this is going to last, but right now, we're talking about uh, a few months, perhaps. Again, it's not, uh, it's not the, uh, it's not uh, something which is pleasant, uh, as somebody pointed out to me. It's really it's kind of more for the men than for the women, because it's the men who find it less pleasant. <laughs> Look, there's plenty of chazal. Remember the, the Gemara Tainas a bit. Remember the Gemara by Rabbi Shimon, where the Gemara says in Bava Metziah that his wife wouldn't let him go to the Mizrach because he was the one who was a bucky and being matir dam. He knew what was dam neither and what wasn't, and they were being machmer and not letting anybody go to the mikvah any sort of dumbim that the women had. And the day that he was, when his wife left him, he was able to show up to the base Medrash, he was able to be matir, so many women, and he was, uh, the Gemara says that he was smarba peruvu in the world, and the Gemara says that, that, that his wife was a rishah, based on the second shot in Rashi, and his wife not letting him go, because having him here allowed peruvu to happen. So allowing peruvu to happen, again, that wasn't an easy time either, the time of the Roman persecution, was Rav Shimon lived, I'm not saying it was like the time of the Nazis, but there is a Milo of keeping the lifeline going. And there is something about even cuddling, about being allowing men and women in a time. Why? But it's, not it's not, you know, if you want to find AIDS, find AIDS. And the truth is that many communities kept their, their have got keeping the clothes for women open. Uh, I think most are. There are a few which close them. I don't really understand why, but I think that most of them are keeping them open for women and just closing them for men. Or women who have symptoms. So, so you so you agree though? Then okay, you're you're saying women should, unless they're showing any COVID signs, 
women should keep on going to the mikvah as far as what you're concerned. Right? Yes. Okay. Right. right. But, but that's relevant to this. This person is uh, a person who's going around saying things which are against halacha and purporting to say them as an Orthodox rabbi. And when I tried to critique him, for example, and I said uh, uh, said uh, things like, um, um, you know, uh, uh, I suggested that he do he retract his psak. Um, so people said to me, uh, somebody wrote to me here, "Oi, let's show some avasi swell, please." Well, or thank God we have preserved Torah while these judgmental fools have left Judaism. Which is absurd. Um, you, 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 okay, so again, I would assume, Rabbi Yosef, knowing how uh, sweetheart natured you are, that I'm sure you didn't uh, give him a knife in the back and say you're Amaretz and what the heck are you talking about? Obviously, in this day of uh, social sensitivity, you know, uh, I'm sure that your message was probably written in the right way. Again, there are going to be people out there. Again, I, 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 to, to be honest with you, before I. I don't even know why you even have to respond to these people. You, because you want to make sure that you you think that they might have influence in causing people going to the mikvah. Uh, you, yes, Chaim of Chaim of is a respected r- r- rabbi in open Orthodox circles. I see. Um, He's a member of the Therefore, you would like to stop people who are listening to him from Makabalism yes. and, and we should note that Rabbi Dovlinzer Lishivcho, and uh, and I give a glimpse. Tremendous Yashikoyak for this with tremendous, tremendous uh, respect. He came out and on the same page and said that this psak is wrong. Right, so, 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 so Dov Linzer, who is the president of Rosh Hashiva of Chov Torah, even though you're saying Chaim Avadya was in a way connected to open orthodoxy, one of the leaders of open orthodoxy, the post-sake, so to speak, of open orthodoxy, rejected this psak yes. and says, we, this is not a good psak. Okay, so Baruch Hashem. So, so that's a good, so we, we're showing some obvious control here. Actually, our program is like, Chobavay Torah's <laughs> second home. We 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 had a whole show about them, about their uh, about them retracting their psak, and of course on Friday I actually uh, interviewed Yisus Katz about distance learning and some of the issues. You guys can check that out. That's on one on one. We talk about what's going on in terms of the advantages and disadvantages, and how you could get your, make your, maximize your distance learning, your distance shiurim. So let's hear well, for. Right. Obviously, we're critical of Chovei Torah when we feel critical, but we have to be um, pray, we have to praise them when we when they were when they're praiseworthy. And Rabbi Lindsay deserves yeah. that. Okay, but I'm just going to just push back just one second. I think there are going to be women, despite what Bechaper says, and I say that they should go to the mikvah if they're not showing signs of COVID. There's going to be people who are going to be afraid. So you, let's just get clear. You're going to tell those people, look, if you are afraid, then you should just stop engaging, realizing if you were menstruant, Absolutely. you have to just stay in Nida. There's that's it. no question. Right. And don't, and don't look for any look other... Look at it as a serious nefesh for, for, for mitzvahs. Look at it as a serious nefesh for Amisro. Look at it as a schutz for Amisro, that you're going undergoing this torture, nevertheless maintaining halacha. Which I think could probably be expanded in general to many of the other things right. uh, outside of mikvah to what many people are, are doing in terms of limiting their access uh, to actually again it's unprecedented. Um, there are uh, I'd like to no, tell it's not you unprecedented. I think they closed me close in 1918 too. I'm not sure. I'm not, no, no, not no. me They also people were quarantined 1918. You know the schools were closed in 1918 throughout America, and uh, just like the churches. 
And just like you didn't have a tremendous tradition going back at a newspaper in 1918 in Cleveland, I, I saw it online, um, during the, there are Jews who were arrested for holding, out, holding outdoor mignonim during the, during the, uh, the uh, Spanish flu. So uh, Am Yisrael has this tradition of having the shuls closed and still going out and making outdoor mignonim, even though they shouldn't. So, are you There were times we have. To, I, I take I'm it back. I, I, I take it back. You, you trumped me historically. It was over 100 years ago, but I am aware about the Spanish flu, and I do know about the incidents there. I think what I was talking about more was um, the what's happening here in terms of our scientific knowledge towards the future. It isn't so much again. Uh, we we are trying to sustain the health system in this country and beyond. Um, and, and that way, it's, it, it, it isn't so much about getting sick. It's about making sure that there are these hospital beds that are out there that will be there for the people who are mamish. Um, so it is about not spreading the flu, not spreading corona, but it's also about the big picture. We're looking at things from much bigger than just not spreading corona. We're talking about what the corona spread will do in terms of the breakdown of health. And here we're all adding to that by our Shmir Samitsis and, and not going out and not being involved. So in that sense, I guess we can be in some way besimcha that we are helping and adding towards the, the Prius of, of, of the whole planet. Um, you, uh, you didn't see what Rev. Gershon Schaffel wrote? Our good friend and... Uh, our good friend, Gershon I put in my blog. Um, I'll tell you... He would he put out something beautiful, and I'm going to read you the last paragraph from it. Okay. Uh, this is something which he put out. I posted on my blog because I was so proud of him um, that he wrote this. One second, let me find it here. Uh, it's a very good insight. When we, when we, I think we can both take credit for him, right? Well, he definitely, uh, I would say, just like uh, Mayor Merilis and Gershon Schaffel, many of our students have have tremendous claims to fame, have gone on and, yeah. and done tremendous things right. in terms of Pesach. So what is it in the right. chapels? Let's see what he said. What he said. One last thought. I will, let's see what a couple, well, last week, I think. One last thought I would like to share with you. There are a number of shuls that already made the decision to shut down for Shabbos. Many of those announcements to our body begin with something to the effect of with a heavy heart or is it, or it is with great angst and then go on to explain why they made the decision to close for Shabbos. I disagree with that perspective. As I mentioned, we are trying to figure out what Hashem wants from us. Whatever that is, we should be do, happy to do it. If the shul remains open, we are happy to serve Hashem by attending Minyanim. If Hashem have to close the shul, then we are happy to serve Hashem by taking measures to save lives and guard our health. We don't say to a person who is ill who must eat on Yom Kippur that we are sad to Shemusak. They are ill, and in such situations, in the midst of them to eat. That would be an Avera to refrain from eating. It must be conveyed to them that they are doing the Ratz and Hashem by eating just as much as healthy people are doing the, doing the Ratzon Hashem by fasting. Similarly, whatever decision we make, we will, have to comp- we will be happy to comply with what we see as Ratzon Hashem. It is not about what we want. It is submission to the will of Hashem, and that should always be done with Simcha. Okay, well, I echo that. And basically, there's no risk here on my side. I agree about Chaim Avadya. However, I do think that, uh, that your, your criticism of Chaim Avadya, and I agree with your... Uh, your applause for Rabbi Shapel. Only thing I would say is that um, maybe uh, there is something to the comment that you heard in Facebook, which is 
Well, maybe maybe the steely knife should be a little bit blunted sometimes, as we're all on edge yeah. now. Red hair. Uh-uh, red hair. Yeah, red hair can't blunt the steely knives. Well, yeah. as, as you know, I'm also in that same boat, and maybe... Who knows? You know, I think my knife has definitely been blunted a little bit, uh, and I think that's. I think there might be something to that. I think as we're all sitting alone, I think we do have to work harder developing a common language. Yeah. And I'm very proud of the fact that that we are maybe able to reach out to not necessarily to include Colvay, but to include a lot of people out there and say, look, now's the time we can talk. We don't. It's not like we have our zebra behind us. I think we can, in a way, be open to other things. Let's just end with something. Look. We, we, we're spending a lot of time alone. Hopefully, our, it's going to make more precious these get-togethers that we have uh, when we are able to Zoom or whatever it is to be able to speak with each other. And let's make them count and let's give physics to each other in all the different ways. All right, so that's it for Risco de Risa this week. Uh, uh, my good friend, Rabbi Yisem Gabriel Belhoffer here. It's already way past midnight here. We're going to try to upload this as soon as we can. And hopefully we'll see you, Mr. Shem, next day of Shabbos. Have a great Shabbos. Have a great week. And uh, hopefully... With a lot of women at the room, a lot of opposite stroll. Take care. You have the tagline with you? The tagline? Oh, the tagline. <laughs> I, we actually added to the end now. I actually put a little uh, a little recording on the end now, so you'll be able to yeah. hear it then. Okay. All right. Have um, a good day. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 